on Auschwitz. The history of Auschwitz is exceptionally complex. It combined two functions, a concentration camp and an extermination center in gas chambers. Nazi Germany persecuted various groups of people there and the camp complex continually expanded and transformed itself. In the podcast on Auschwitz, we discuss the details of the camp's history and our contemporary memory of this unique place. While planning the construction of Auschwitz, the Germans assumed that in the future the camp would hold up to 30,000 prisoners. As late as the beginning of 1941, there was nothing to indicate that over the next few months, both the plans for the number of prisoners and the usage of their slave labor, as well as the functions of the camp itself, would change dramatically. Why the Auschwitz concentration camp expanded and why at the same time it became an extermination center, I discussed with Dr. Piotr Setkiewicz, the head of the Memorial Research Center. The Auschwitz camp, which was planned at the very beginning as the some sort of quarantine camp before sending prisoners to other concentration camps in Germany, was very quickly turned into a regular concentration camp in the plans of the SS and from June 14, 1940, Germans began regular transports of prisoners to the camp and prisoners had to work and this is very clear. Every prisoner had to do slave labor. What kind of work the prisoners were doing at the beginning and how this slave labor system influenced the development of the camp. At the very beginning of existence of Auschwitz, that was obvious that prisoners must work by the expansion of the Auschwitz camp. Namely, they built the fence, they repaired the blocks, all necessary installations in the camp and so on and so on. So, nevertheless, it became clear for the commander of Auschwitz, Rudolfus, that after completing of these works, would be necessary to find a suitable kind of labor for the prisoners uh, as it uh, was the case of Mauthausen or Rosrosen concentration camps where prisoners were employed in the stone quarries. So because Auschwitz before the war it was rather the town of the moderate size, the industry was limited to the few small factories. So in the eyes of Hus, the future of Auschwitz lies in agriculture. Namely, the prisoners had to work in uh, agricultural farms that belonged to the SS. And in order to facilitate these plans, Hus believed that it would be possible to expel the local Polish farmers who lived in eight villages nearby between two rivers, Sola and Pistola. And uh, after confiscation of the land and the buildings, he thought that it would be possible to organize this sort of, of network of agricultural farms run by the SS. So that was the only case in the history of German concentration camps where it was possible. Certainly in such camps like Dachau, Sachsenhausen and others, that was not possible. The mass expulsion of local German farmers. But in occupied Poland it was relatively easy and in practical terms it had been done by the single administrative decision by Reichsführer Heinrich Himmler. So this was the plan uh, for the future of Auschwitz uh, at the end of 1940. 
Nevertheless, at the beginning of next year, the situation completely changed with the arrival of German specialists from the large company called IG Farben Industry. It is very interesting because in the beginning we can see this farming development very far away, like on the other side from the uh, dense industry that IG Farben represented. And here we have a crucial turning point in the history of Auschwitz with the arrival of this huge industry. If we assume how many prisoners could be employed in all these agricultural farms, the number of uh, prisoners in outfits that would be necessary for coping with these tasks uh, was limited to, let's say, 5,000 people only. But with the arrival of the German industry and the people from IG Farben and the needs for slave labor of prisoners, most of them had to work directly on, on this construction side of the new factory. That was a crucial point in the planning of Auschwitz in the history of the camp, because from this time on, the number of prisoners necessary for this kind of work increased dramatically. IG Farben estimated that they will need approximately 4,000 people for work. Then the needs rise to 8 up to even 12,000 prisoners. So Auschwitz at this point was much smaller, and uh, assuming that some people had to be employed inside the camp for different kinds of work, in the kitchen, for instance. Then many of them also had to work in these agricultural farms. So at this point, it became clear for uh, the commander and higher-ranking SS officers that Auschwitz should be expanded. Let's take a step back and explain why IG Farben is interested in the surrounding area of Auschwitz and why are they coming here? Well, that was uh, connected with the general plans of German high command of the army, the Wehrmacht, to secure the deliveries of crucial materials, products for the German war effort. Namely, it was primarily synthetic rubber and uh, also certain kind of sophisticated petrol for the German Luftwaffe. And because the existing Gajifarben factories uh, were situated mostly in, in the central or western part of Germany, after the failure of the Luftwaffe air offensive against Britain, it became clear that these factories might be bombed. And uh, because of the kind of production, uh, they might be particularly vulnerable for the air attacks. So the high command of, of the German army wished to have another source of rubber and petrol, a new factory built somewhere outside the range of the British bombers at this time. The decision was taken to look for such places in Upper Silesia because of the distance from Great Britain, and secondly because of the local huge deposits of coal, which was uh, the basic raw material for production of synthetic rubber. These specialists appeared for the first time in Upper Silesia in uh, December 1940, and most probably the final decision was taken in January 1941. The site of Auschwitz was chosen because of its location not far from the source of uh, fresh water in the Vistula River, which was necessary for cooling of certain installations of IG Farben of the factory, and the presence of the railway station, but I believe that one of the most important reasons for taking this decision was the fact that there was a concentration camp not far from the construction site, about six, seven kilometers. Because of lack of manpower, 
many uh, German workers were conscripted to the army and uh, local Poles were sent to perform slave labor in Germany. The Auschwitz camp was, in practical terms, the most promising source of labor for the factory. That was probably the reason why, on the very early stage of the planning of this factory in Auschwitz, the representatives of IG Farben initiated negotiations with the concentration camp, with leadership of the camp, with the representatives of the offices from Berlin. They found this agreement very promising because the labor of concentration camp prisoners was very cheap and they could be delivered to the construction site by foot or later on by train. So that was not a problem in logistical terms to, to organize the delivery of prisoners to IG Farben. On the one hand, that was very profitable for the company. On the other, uh, also concentration camp was interested in such kind of cooperation for propaganda reasons. In this way, uh, Himmler could explain that uh, the SS played an important role in the process of development of German armament industry. The IG Farben promised to donate to the SS a certain amount of uh, construction materials. Bricks, cement, reinforcement steel, everything that was needed for the future expansion of Auschwitz. So in this way, the SS could easily obtain the material for construction of new barracks, new blocks in Auschwitz, and also to sell certain products that could be made in the workshops that belonged to the SS. SS could produce in this way certain prefabricated elements of barracks, furniture, uh, wooden boxes, whatever that was necessary for IG Farben in this early stage of construction of the factory. So the both sides were, were very satisfied, as they stressed many times in the official documents. However, there is one major problem with this agreement. The demand for slave labor from the IG Farben part is, is very large. They need a lot of workers. The camp is, of course, happy to expand, but at that time, they do not have sufficient number of prisoners that they can simply give to the IG Farben. That uh, was the point underlined during the, the one of the meetings between people from IG Farben and the officers from Auschwitz. One of these participants asked uh, directly the commander what he think about it. Rudolf's answer was that yes, that is a problem, but he had just talked to Obergruppenführer Kruger, who was the head of all SS and police forces in the central part of the occupied Poland. And he promised him that all prisoners necessary for Auschwitz will be available in the nearest future. So the SS in Poland will guarantee that by the transfer of prisoners from different jails in the country as well, perhaps also by arresting people simply on the streets of Polish cities, the SS will provide sufficient number of Poles for Auschwitz and then for IG Farben. So that was the promise and we believe that uh, Krieger really wished to do so. If you observe the piece of deportations of Polish prisoners to Auschwitz in the late uh, spring and uh, the beginning of the summer of 1941, that's clear that the number of new prisoners for Auschwitz rapidly increased. However, more or less at the same time, we can observe in the camp statistics a growth in the number of prisoners who perished in Auschwitz, most probably because after spending a couple of months 
in Auschwitz after this time of performing heavy manual work and hunger, all these things resulted in the very high mortality rate in, in Auschwitz. So, assuming this, you can see that the daily count of Auschwitz uh, remains still more or less the same. And the number of prisoners for Eichwaben could not be covered despite all the efforts of the SS officers from the concentration camp. So that was the problem that was seriously considered by, not only by the people from Auschwitz, but also by Heinrich Himmler himself. And finally, in September 1941, he believed that he found a solution. After the beginning of the war with Soviet Russia, the German Wehrmacht had at his disposal hundreds of thousands of Soviet prisoners of war. They were kept in uh, POW camps in uh, horrible conditions. The mortality among them was extremely high. So Himmler made an agreement with uh, the generals. They promised him to send to concentration camps uh, at the beginning 100,000, then even 200,000 Soviet prisoners of war. So in the end of September, we uh, may see that there was a stream of urgent uh, telegrams and letters from uh, Berlin to the Auschwitz Kommandantur, to the uh, uh, headquarters, with uh, urgent uh, tasks to find a way for accommodating these Soviet prisoners of war. And it was clear at this point that uh, Soviets could not be mixed together with regular Auschwitz concentration camp prisoners. So, that was the need to build a separate camp. At the very beginning of this process, the plan for such a camp was uh, proposed by the German architects from Berlin, and that was only the case of selecting the place which should be situated not far from the old camp or the base camp. And uh, initially, the decision was taken to build a new camp for the Soviets between the concentration camp and railway line that led from Auschwitz to Vienna. After a few days, people who were involved in the decision-making process, they uh, concluded that no, that there is not space enough there. So why not to move this camp to the large meadow uh, on the other side of the railway line? And a few days later, Rudolf has visited the site and he said no, the soil is very valuable for the needs of the uh, agriculture. So that would be perhaps better to move this concentration camp for the Soviets about 700 meters away, more closer to the village of Brzezinka or Birkenau. That was the way how the SS finally decided upon the making a new camp by Auschwitz. The camp for Soviet prisoners of war was officially called as a POW camp, but in practical terms it was administered and run by the by the headquarters of the Auschwitz concentration camp. The Soviet soldiers start arriving. First, they stay in a separated part in Auschwitz I, and they, of course, start building the camp in Birkenau. What can we tell about the SS plans for Birkenau and their imagination of the situation of prisoners and the treatment of prisoners when we look at those early blueprints of Birkenau? That's very clear if, if we look at these early proposals, the early drawings of, of the new camp that were many times changed and adopted for the certain needs of, of the SS. 
that the main principle for planning of Beer Canal was to accommodate as many people as possible on the lowest costs. For example, on this early plans of two major parts of Beer Canal with over 100 of barracks, we may see that there were only two of them were intended to be used as a hospital for, for prisoners. So, for example, there were very primitive sanitary installations for this camp. On these drawings, there are two major parts of, of Birkenau, smaller, which was to be a sort of a quarantine camp, and the main camp on the other side of the platform. Installations like sanitary barracks were limited, very primitive, that was probably resulted, first of all, because of the problems with construction materials. When the people from the Bauleitung, from the construction office of Auschwitz, uh, learned for the first time that they, they would be responsible for preparing the plans and the uh, construction of, uh, of the new camp, that was told to them that they have to care about the materials for the barracks, about everything, about the wooden pillars, and so what was most important at this moment, barbed wire fence, uh, which is not viable. So there was a lot of problems. Bauleiter Bischof decided that uh, probably the best way to, to build the barracks in Birkenau might have been the making use of the bricks which became available after the destruction of the Polish villages nearby. So everything was um, done practically in a very improvised way without taking care about uh, providing prisoners with the most basic sanitary installations in, uh, for, for Birkenau. I believe that uh, at this point the SS probably did not understand what's going to happen in this new camp and what kind of Russian prisoners would arrive. Only after the deportation of the first transport of Soviet uh, prisoners of war, it became clear that they were very weak. After spending months in the army POW camps, they were extremely exhausted. Many of them were sick and uh, perhaps only half of them could be used for any sort of productive labor. As a result of this, this is horrible living conditions because of very limited amount of food which was given to them. The mortality among the Soviet prisoners uh, proved to be very high. And in order to cope with these problems, uh, we may see on these on this construction drawings that the SS added more and more morgues in Birkenau. Then they replaced a couple of these morgues with two uh, primitive incarceration ovens uh, that were ordered in a company called Topfensöhne from, from Erfurt. Full improvisation. I believe that nobody at this time cared about situation that might occur in, in, in Birkenau in terms of sanitary conditions and potential threat of uh, epidemics. When we analyze the picture in this moment, so this is late 1941, early 1942, we can see several elements coming together. On one hand, demand of the IG Farben for slave labor that, the, uh, that Auschwitz tries to meet with the deportation of first Poles and later the Soviet prisoners of war. On the other hand, when the Soviets started coming and these huge plans for the new camp were created, their physical condition do not really meet the needs of the IG Farben and the numbers of the Soviet prisoners of war didn't turn out to be as high as expected. 
And then there's a third element appearing in Auschwitz, which is the, the first experiments of killing people with uh, poisonous gas. So from autumn of 1941, Auschwitz is able to use gas chambers to kill people. And so these things which are not precisely connected then turn out to be a very important in the future development of uh, what Auschwitz uh, become. Yeah, because um, apart from the needs of the concentration camp for the slave labor of Soviet prisons of war, in the fall of 1941, Auschwitz also became the site of mass killings of Soviet prisons of war that were brought to Auschwitz in order to kill them. Simply, they were the members of the Soviet um, Communist Party, so-called commissars. So for these people, the SS introduced for the first time in the history of Auschwitz the killing of, of them uh, with gas cyclone B, in the room uh, of the crematorium building, temporary gas chamber was, was organized for, for this purpose. So this moment in time, the only temporary solution, but it had very, very important impact on the future fate of, of, of prisoners of the camp, because in January 1942, um, Heinrich Himmler took probably the most important decision which had very serious, very important consequences for the, for the future of Auschwitz. Namely, he said that because the Soviet prisons of war would probably not be available in the nearest future in sufficient numbers, so these Soviets should be replaced with Jews who had just begun to be evacuated from Western Europe, from Germany, to the east, to the extermination sites like Sobibor and Belgius. So in the eyes of Himmler, way of treating this particular group of Jews would be as follows. They should be selected out prior to the deportation in the transit camps somewhere in the countries where they lived. In the case of Auschwitz, only strong and healthy prisoners, 100,000 men and 50,000 women, should be sent to Auschwitz to perform slave labor to complete with very important economical task of, of the SS, as is stressed. So that was the moment when first Jews large numbers should be sent to Auschwitz, such a decision was taken, but as I said, only those who were fit for work. And that was the case of the first initial few transports that arrived to Auschwitz, mostly from Slovakia and, and also from France. These people, well, they were all registered in the camp. They were sent to the labor barracks and they had to work. However, after for Slovak transports, something completely different happened because uh, the transport was stopped and after a couple of weeks, new groups of Slovak prisoners began to come to Auschwitz, but in this case, there were so-called family transports. Not only young and healthy people, but also mothers of children, but also elderly and uh, the sick ones. So, it was probably the easier in terms of logistic for, for the SS to bring them all to Auschwitz and to cope with the problem of those who are not able to work on the side. Namely, that resulted in the first selections in Auschwitz and the making use of the gas chambers to kill those who are not necessary for the camp because the only existing gas chamber in Auschwitz at this time uh, was not uh, large enough to cope with the large number of Jews who were to be killed. A new temporary gas chamber, so-called bunker, bunker number one, or a little red house, was opened in Birkenau. 
uh, on the edge of, of the forest. So that was the moment when Auschwitz became a camp which combined two functions, the function of the ordinary, regular German concentration camp and the, the death camp, as much as um, other camps of Aktion Reinhardt in eastern Poland. And then I believe we should answer for the question why the SS needed so many people uh, in Auschwitz. Well, the, the needs of IG Farben uh, were large, however, the camp for 100,000 people was definitely too large for the, the needs of the single uh, German company. Most probably, as we believed, uh, Himmler had before his eyes a vision, the vision of the large SS camp in the heart of the industrial center. He thought that uh, perhaps other German big companies, other German industrialists would follow the example of IG Farben and will also try to move at least a part of the production potential from the western part of Germany to the east. And in this situation, the, the SS would have this privilege to have 100,000 workers at the disposal. In this way, the SS would repeat the same pattern that proved to be very effective and profitable for, uh, for the SS. But already in spring of 1942, it became clear that it doesn't work. Despite of the SS efforts, practically no one was interested in such complicated transfer of technology, people, machines from, from Western Germany uh, to, to Auschwitz. So he began the negotiations with the army and army was from this time on was responsible for looking for the potential investors in Auschwitz. Himmler believed that that would work in this way. The SS will build their own factories, and the buildings, the equipment uh, would be secured by the state, and the role of these companies would be limited only to giving a number of engineers, skilled workers, know-how and technology. So in this way, these factory buildings would be higher by the S and to these companies, of course, in this way, the SS would obtain more money as an additional source of financing. So again, that uh, seems to be very promising for the future. Nevertheless, uh, the army actually was able to find only one investor, company uh, Krupp, which promised to build a factory to be engaged in the production of anti-aircraft guns in Auschwitz. However, Himmler's plans were still larger and larger, and in the middle of the year he came to the conclusion that because of the problems with the industry, though it would be possible to take over a number of large factories, not definitely near to the Auschwitz concentration camp, perhaps maybe a little bit further in the central part of our Silesian industrial region. And these workers who had worked in these factories uh, should be moved somewhere else and all replaced by Auschwitz prisoners. So he estimated that about 50,000 Auschwitz prisoners could be sent to this kind of work, and perhaps 100,000 more should stay in Birkenau to be treated as a sort of the replacement in case of the possible high number of deaths in these camps. So that was absolutely new and unrealistic idea. During his negotiations with the Ministry of Armament and Ammunition, led by Minister Albert Speer, SS met with strong opposition from business circles. 
and they probably did not care, but everything has been changed with the outbreak of the huge epidemics of typhus in Birkenau. From this time on, it became clear that it would be not possible to concentrate so many prisoners on this very small area without providing them with the very basic sanitary provisions. And this um, epidemics changed the attitude of not only the business, but also local authorities. They, they began to treat the Auschwitz, the concentration camp, as a potential threat for the civilian population of, of Silesia. Uh, that was also a very serious problem for, for IG Farben because from July 1942, the deliveries of prisoners on the construction site were stopped and um, IG Farben proposed on their side to redirect the way of deliveries of, of prisoners to the construction site. Namely, they offered to build their own camp. This is very important because, well, today the memorial preserves two parts of uh, Auschwitz, Auschwitz I and Birkenau, and somehow when people look at it, this is Auschwitz system for them, while we need to remember that the development in this period led to the creation of the third part of Auschwitz that created the entire system. Yes, but at this time, that was purely private initiative of IG Farben. I don't think that uh, they had in mind a future development of rather that they were rather thinking about their own problems and they were seeking the ways how to solve them. So the, at this time that was the, the initiative that was focused on the isolation of prisoners from the rest of the camp. This new camp in, in Monowitz should be of course a part of the Alphys system. Nevertheless, in order to avoid the risk of the epidemics of typhus in, in Monovis, IG Farben expected to receive the prisoners directly to, to Monovis without spending even uh, a day in, in Auschwitz or, or, or Birkenau. That was still a risk for infection. The IG Farben paid for, uh, for this camp. That was very uh, disappointed that the SS explained that it is not possible in terms of bureaucracy to direct the prisoners to Monowitz, that they had to arrive to Auschwitz first and after a couple of days only to, to move to, to Monowitz. Nevertheless, after three months of the break, at least in, in, in the end of October, the first Auschwitz prisoners began to arrive to, to the concentration camps of Auschwitz III, Buna or, or Monowitz. But it uh, took next four months to encourage other German companies that this sort of cooperation with the SS is, is possible, that the SS would be ready to send the Auschwitz prisoners to the, the factories, that the companies would be responsible for selecting uh, suitable places for accommodation for, for the prisoners, and to sign an agreement with the SS. The agreements were a bit complicated nevertheless, the both sides promised that, on the one hand, the SS would be responsible for keeping the number of prisoners on a certain level, on the other, that uh, the companies promised to secure certain uh, provisions for the prisoners, to build or to organize the, the quarters for, for them, and, and so on. Nevertheless, that was practically the beginning of the new chapter in the history of, of Auschwitz, uh, when Birkenau, and to a certain extent Auschwitz I, became a center for distribution of labor force for the German industry. When the German businessman 
began to trust the SS that uh, the concentration camp is able to provide them with a sufficient number of workers on the one hand, and on the other that the SS would uh, constantly exchange those who uh, were losing the ability to work with new ones. And the companies, uh, of course, the directors, they did not care what might have happened with those sick prisoners who would be uh, sent back to, to Birkenau. I don't think that they may have any doubts about their future fate. You can find all our On Auschwitz podcasts at www.auschwitz.org podcasts.